Well, we've been traveling through the letter of James, and this is our last week in this letter. And so you want to pick up your Bible reading plan. We're going to be looking at being all in. And so you'll begin your readings uh, tomorrow. This series in James has been very practical. We experienced this guidance that James gives us through the ins and outs of the human journey. And last week, Pastor John delivered a powerful sermon on balancing faith and works. And he reminded us that our faith without works is, is dead. And our faith should be dynamic, leading to good works for God's kingdom. This week, we are going to examine the life God rewards. And James gets real specific about the things that reward our lives, which are guided by God in His wisdom, and then also by our humility in practicing that wisdom. Well, the end of October means the resting of leaves upon the lawns. Trick or treat. And for me, it's being hip deep in football. Love me some football. Every, it seems like the next couple months, there's going to be tailgating, food and drink and festivals, a ritual face painting or the ritual, if you're into that, chest painting. And yet, uh, among the religious rituals, uh, there's, there's a play that is enacted by the quarterback. And it's, this play involves heaving what they call a Hail Mary pass. You've got to love the Hail Mary pass. Whether you're a team winning or losing, your pulse rate is going to go up at the end of the game when this Hail Mary pass is being enacted. Hail Mary, of course, is that desperate last-second decision to jettison the ball toward the end zone, way down the field. Hopefully the opponents are not around and it's caught in the, in the, in the end zone and there's a touchdown made and the, that person wins, possibly. There's spectacular Hail Marys throughout the football season, and you always see one succeed. But many, as you know, do not succeed. They're exciting, but they rarely work. Guess what? Just as Hail Marys don't work out too well for football teams, those spiritual Hail Marys don't work out too well for gaining wisdom. And I'm not talking about the Hail Marys I learned as a Catholic boy. I'm talking about the fact that your spiritual life can't be a, a series of, of throwing down the field for God's help in living, especially in gaining wisdom. It's hard to gain godly wisdom and living a solid, deep spiritual life living that way. A life filled with faith, committed to Christ, should not have to depend on, in case of emergency, break glass, type of playing in life those quick prayers or say god give me give me wisdom our devotion and prayer life should be a place where we punch into the heart and soul every day connected to that resource for us to gain godly wisdom in all circumstances whether good or bad you see life is unpredictable Stuff happens, good and bad, all the time, every day. And that is why our connection to the Holy Spirit, to the living presence of Christ, cannot be uh, just on emergency moments. Our seeking of spiritual wisdom 
needs to keep us connected every day. And that helps us with these challenges. Whereby we are living with a lifelong, consistent obedience in the same direction, moving along with God's Spirit. Consistent and wise in our decision-making. Consistency in our character as we are connected to and abiding in Christ. That connection is deciding the difference between what James calls earthly wisdom and wisdom that comes from above. And James teaches that earthly wisdom inspires ambition or envy or selfishness in a negative way, get ahead at all costs type of mentality. Earthly wisdom teaches that if you're not first, you are last and therefore a loser. Let's look at what James says in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every spiritual practice, evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James puts in front of his readers, which wisdom is guiding you? Is it earthly wisdom or heavenly wisdom? Wisdom was an important thing for these Jewish Christians. They realized it was not enough to have knowledge. Wisdom was necessary to be able to use that knowledge correctly. And knowledge enables us to take things apart. But wisdom enables us to put things together and relate to God's way and His truth in daily life. And when we disregard God's heavenly wisdom, it's hard to put life together properly. Earthly wisdom, James says, tears down. And trust me, I know. I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you. I recall vividly uh, living on earthly-focused wisdom, so-called wisdom, when I was going through difficulties in ministry in 2013. I can't believe it's been almost 10 years now. And I look back and I see the wounds that I experienced and it sent me into a depression. I was totally oblivious to God's ways and wisdom. Pride filled my heart. And I was against those who were trying to help me. And I remember it. In the trials and the circumstances and difficulties in ministry, it was absolutely tragic. I was listening to the wrong people. I didn't seek God's will and ways found in the scripture. And when spiritual friends were trying to help me, like I said, I ignored it. Because they were loving me, trying to care for me. I wouldn't listen to my wife. I wouldn't listen to my family. I almost lost my marriage, my kids, and my calling as a minister of the gospel. Folks, you would not have recognized me. And I was relying on earthly wisdom. I was harboring bitterness 
that came from that. I denied truth about myself and the state I was existing in. I didn't realize that I was in the crosshairs of the enemy's firing. I was living out what James said in verse 14, harboring bitterness in my heart. Hindsight is definitely 2020. I can look back and see that I was resistant to God's heavenly wisdom because I was finger pointing. And thanks be to God, I woke up to that heavenly wisdom through the ministry of others, through counseling, Christian counseling, and sabbatical rest and recovery. Proverbs 1.23 says this, Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Do you hear that? God wants to pour out his thoughts upon you. And God wanted to pour out his thoughts upon me. And God was teaching, helping me to guard my heart and mind. And I needed to repent in order for God's thoughts to be poured out upon me. Humility came and my heart was softened and my mind was attuned once again to God's ways. And my life began to be built up as James talks about. And heavenly wisdom, folks, it saved my marriage. It saved my family. It saved my ministry. And a way of humility became a path for me to walk upon. I had to admit where there was fault first, where there was fault. You see, James is teaching the believers with true heavenly wisdom comes, comes help to avoid envy and selfish ambition. And heavenly wisdom produces peace and righteousness. Earthly wisdom is influenced by the enemy and appeals to the senses and the emotions. And in contrast, the wisdom that from God that comes from God reflects God's characteristics. And what are some of God's characteristics? Well, Christ teaches us humility. While earthly wisdom says follow your heart, godly wisdom tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. And we have to be cautious and use the wisdom in our mind that we gain from Scripture. You remember Romans 12 too? So incredible. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing and perfect will when our mind conforms to the heavenly wisdom god bestows upon a life that is focused on an entirely different perspective a heavenly perspective a life lived in god's will and god's ways and heavenly wisdom is a way of looking uh, at life through the heart and mind of christ and his character found in scriptures and jesus christ character is primarily grounded in that humility and also sacrificial love and this is a life that god rewards us with it's given unto you as rewards as benefits of the kingdom james says there's a difference between earthly wisdom which teaches us to fight for this supremacy and to be the top dog and heavenly wisdom offers meekness and mercy and humility and peace in the highest form of commitment and love for others, especially for our love of self. That's the difference between a vicious dogfight and a life lived in peace and obedience. The world will never understand 
but those who live a life transformed by faith every day. They just don't get it, do they? Don't you love political commercials? Oh my gosh. When I see a political commercial, I feel like a bear caught in a trap and I want to gnaw my own paw off. Oh my gosh. Lord, have mercy. You see, attack, attack, and then retaliate. Sometimes these commercials are back-to-back firing. And when are these politicians going to learn to let their character and their life and the facts about them speak for themselves? And we still have a couple weeks of it. Oh, my gosh, Lord, please have mercy. Don't you long for leaders to apply God's will and ways and heavenly wisdom to govern? Don't you long for that? You see, there's a transforming power of a spirit-filled life, a life connected to the counsel of God. And it's ours to behold. And it's born to those outside of Christ. We simply do not many, make any sense at times to those who are sensory bound to envy and ambition and self-advancement. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we find a holy new regulator for our lives. And it's a game changer, man. It's a game changer in trials and in circumstances. But we all know that nothing changes in this world. It's the same old stuff confronts us every day. Maybe a frightening lab report or a reckless and cynical world or destructive thoughts that try to enter in. And James gives some help for living in this world. Did you catch in the scripture uh, what James says? He He talks about the marks of heavenly wisdom. First, he says God's wisdom is pure. Because God is pure, everything that comes from him is pure. That word literally means free from moral stain. This past spring, I power washed my deck. I got this power washer, 1,400 PSI, baby. And I was doing uh, these, these, the one board, one plank at a time, just getting that mold and that mildew and that dirt out of that wood so that I could stain it and allow that stain to absorb. And I put two coats of that stuff on there, man. You know, we're like that wood deck. We can carry, uh, we can carry layers of bitterness or frustration or doubt or despair or destructive thoughts that try to cling to our soul and produce a kind of discoloration of the normal washing that God wants to do. These destructive thoughts are these. Maybe God is not good, or God is not loving, or God is not powerful, or life is meaningless, or I'm all alone, or there's no hope. These destructive thoughts try to enter in. But God's pure wisdom, James says, counters these things. It washes us pure of those destructive thoughts. And we all need that power washing of the Holy Spirit from time to time. We need the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and wash us clean from the inside out. And purity comes first on these marks of wisdom because without it, we know nothing else matters. 
Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's not just a theory, my friends. That's how life actually works. God wants you to see him, to see his ways in life. When your heart is pure, you will see God. When your heart is cluttered with wrong attitudes and evil notions, you'll see everything but God. Consistent Bible reading and prayer, spiritual friends, and the counsel of God's word washes us. And James lists purity first because this is where wisdom begins. Next, James says God's wisdom is peace-loving. Did you catch that? Peace-loving. Some people don't want to get along. They would rather fight than talk. They'd rather yell than listen. They never give it an inch because they think they're always right. They aren't concerned about finding middle ground because it's either my way or the highway type of thinking. They're peace breakers rather than peacemakers. The Greek word in there, translated peace loving, speaks to the attitude, the the posture in times of conflict. When wisdom from above fills your life, you'll be an agent for healing and reconciliation. A peace loving person brings peace with them into situations that are conflicting or where is conflict. When they enter a room, they bring peace in the midst, and they change the atmosphere. And James says, you can be that with that type of wisdom, and wisdom is that way. You see, we can find that peace within ourselves as we experience the counsel of God. And like I said, we can change the atmosphere. Additionally, James says, God's wisdom is gentle. This quality is hard to capture in one English word. You look at that original language, it means gentle, non-combative, not quarrelsome, not easily annoyed. You discover this aspect of wisdom when you are under the gun, when you feel like temper is short, when you're worn out, or when the demands, demands of life overwhelm you, and you seem to be swimming in a pool of hungry piranhas. We have to remember that God's Spirit helps us to be gentle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Breathe in, breathe out. Allow that Spirit to enter in. And what doesn't belong, to leave. How do you respond under pressure? If you have to shout, you lose. (laughs) If you have to threaten, you lose. Someone said it this way, if you lose your cool, you can't win. If you keep your cool, you can't lose. We need this kind of wisdom from God. When maybe when we're in a hurry and traffic is backed up, or when someone cuts us off, or when someone cuts in line, or someone starts yelling at you, gentleness is a shield for you, a guard. James also puts forth another mark of wisdom. He said, wisdom is being merciful. Merciful is more than a feeling. Mercy sees a need and then meets a need. 
And James says mercy is full of good fruit. We live in an unmerciful world where the world wants vengeance, and that's the watchword. If someone hits you, the world teaches you to hit back harder. But God calls us as Christians to a higher standard. Here's a simple definition of mercy. Do unto others as God has done unto you. Think back across the past 12 months, just the past few months. How has God treated you? Has God blessed you? Then you be a blessing to others. Has God forgiven you? Then you forgive others. Has God lifted you up when you are down? Has His Spirit lifted and built you up? Then you lift others up. You build people up when you are down. Has God overlooked your faults? Then you overlook the faults of others. Be merciful. Those are just a few marks of wisdom that James identifies. You see, each one of us wants to live a life that, that has the blessing of God, the reward of God on it. So in light of that desire, we would be well served to know what kind of life God rewards. What is it that God is looking for when he's looking for a place to bestow his favor? Most simply stated, he's looking for all who will demonstrate his character and nature toward others and self. Ask God to help you develop true wisdom as the dominating characteristic of your life, leaning on his wisdom. Listen to what James says in chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. According to James in this scripture, there are some very practical ways of living. And we're going to look at these this morning. First of all, James says, draw close to God. I want to ask you a question. How close are you to God? Right now, this morning, your reality. How close are you to God? I can tell you exactly how close you are. You're as close as you want to be. God is willing to get as close to you as you're willing to get close to Him. The first way is to go one step higher for God, is to get one step closer to God. And when you take that one step closer you have an arms of embrace that draws you in two steps closer. You see, that's what James says. He says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And you can have a deep embrace relationship. That verse is both a precept and a promise. The precept is, you draw near to God. The promise is, God will draw near to you. I heard an old story about a farmer and, and his wife. They were driving to town in an old pickup truck. Now that old pickup truck, now kids, believe it or not, these old pickup trucks, they had no seat belts. Yeah. <gasps> they also were not bucket seats. It was one sliding seat. And the farmer was sitting behind the steering wheel in silence, 
and his wife was sitting against the door in the cab. After several miles, the wife reflected. She said, Jed, we've been married for over 40 years. In the beginning of our marriage, we didn't sit this far apart. And the old farmer said dryly, I ain't the one that moved. I ain't the one that moved. (laughs) Who moved? Who moved? When we move away from God, we move away from wisdom and the marks of wisdom. We serve a God who desires intimacy with us, who desires to bestow wisdom, to give you specific strategic guidance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you're a parent or a grandparent, don't you want your children to be wise with heavenly wisdom? You see, we, deserve, we, we serve a God who desires to, to give us kingdom benefits and heavenly wisdom. A God who rewards our lives. So when we place our lives before God, whether through worship or daily devotions or regular prayer time or accountable discipleship, sacrificial service and giving, all of these healthy habits of, of discipleship reveal that place of Jesus in the priorities of our lives, whereby we draw closer to God and he draws closer to us. Are you doing the things to strengthen your faith and to live in that constant intimacy with God. God wants to draw you close. Secondly, James says, submit yourselves daily to God. Pastor John said this one time. He said, I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior every morning. Wow, I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? It'd behoove you, Jonathan, to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior every morning. Why? Because... I know my heart, and there's this daily battle uh, for a place of primary importance. And the more I yield my life in in obedience and submission to Christ, it's easier to follow Him. What's one area of your life where this is a challenge? Submit it unto God. Next, James says, Resist the devil. And this is a constant theme in in James' letter. We heard a lot about temptation in this series. And every day there'll come a temptation to live less than God's best for our lives. And sometimes temptations are so obvious. They stare us in the face. They, They pulsate. Hey, go, go, go. But sometimes they're subtle. They come. And James says there's an adversary us to settle less than God's best. But God says there's a way out depending on him. He always gives a way out of that temptation. When we say no and resist the temptation, the devil flees. Are you saying no when temptation comes? Fourth, James says get clean. Taking a spiritual bath every day through confession and repentance. The other day I found a tool in my Bible. It's called the Daily Examine. And that tool has you at the end of the day do an examine of that day and see where you can confess any unconfessed sins. 
and looking at the maybe when you've fallen short of the glory of God, of the counsel of God, of the will of God. I need to practice this. We need to practice this. Pray to God where there's anything that doesn't belong so that God can do that cleaning, that antiseptic. Last week, lastly, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to conclude this message. We're going to conclude this series by praying together. I'm going to invite you to do something that might be a bit of a stretch for you. I'm going to invite you to pray with people around you or with your family. Or if you're sitting alone, finding someone to pray with. Or maybe just praying alone. Now, uh, maybe you're here with your family and you, you can pray with them. Uh, but if you, haven't, if you can't find anyone, maybe you can go up to them and just invite them to pray with you. If they're unfriendly to you, raise your hand and I'll come and pray loudly over you. I will. I'll do that. No. I'm going to stand up here watching. I'm going to have the, the band to start come, uh, to come forward. I want you to get in a circle and pray for God's heavenly wisdom. I want you to maybe ask a, ask a, 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 a question in this. What do you need to live a life that God rewards? And if there's any prayer partners here, if you guys could come up too and just be ready if someone needs a prayer partner. So I want you to take some time. We're going to take a few minutes for this just to pray silently in your heart or out loud for someone else. Let's pray. God, we ask that as we take this time that we would be bold and courageous. We would take this time to, to pray for one another, to lift up other, each other in a, in a reality, or maybe to pray quietly for someone sitting next to us. So Lord, in these moments, receive our prayer and bestow upon us your heavenly wisdom. Let us pray.